Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined about half the time by... Dustin Shooty. Dustin, you on Twitter? I'm not. <laughs> everybody liked the nope that you gave last week. I thought maybe you'd go with that again. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast DS as we record this on uh, Wednesday evening. Um, going to be completely honest with you. I'm excited. I'm always excited for college football and Big Ten football. <laughs> Not exactly murderer's row <laughs> for the Big Ten this week as far as who, who the conference faces out of conference. No, I would call this like plan your wedding weekend. Because if you have to go to a fall wedding, this 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 would be the weekend to do it. Because yeah. there's really there really aren't that many great games, and what what great games there are, you can hit the record button and come back and watch them on Sunday because you've only got maybe a handful. So right. not the not the best of slates, but uh, it's college football, and and we got 14 games, so it'll still be fun. First of all, I would strongly encourage anybody to to not get married. And then if you're going to, don't marry a girl that wants to get married during college football season. But if you're going to get married and if you're going to do it during the college football season, yeah, this would be about the best weekend you could pick. Uh, So right now on paper, 14 Big Ten football contests, which means obviously there are no big on big action that's happened this week. Uh, We got 14 games out of conference. Uh, last weekend, uh, the Big Ten was the only conference to go undefeated out of conference. There was obviously two losses, but those were to to uh, interconference foes. Uh, and and the SEC could have gone undefeated if not for the amazing, hilarious, entertaining end of the LSU Florida State game. I'm assuming you saw that game. It was the greatest game uh, because I felt like Florida State was just like gift wrapping the game, trying to hand it away to LSU, and then they fumbled it. But the funny thing that came to my mind was like <laughs> in Brian Kelly and all those dancing recruiting videos, he was holding always holding up that L for LSU. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a uh, that was just perfect summation of that game. Was just Brian Kelly standing there. I saw even though I'm not on Twitter. I, you run a Google search and you just see the images of Brian Kelly standing there holding that L. Uh, yeah. It was it was pretty poetic. I tell you what, I mean, I don't know if I'm in the minority. I mean, I I don't I don't like Brian Kelly. I don't seem to have as high a level as of disdain for him that that many fans do. With that being said, the combination of LSU fans and Brian Kelly, you know, being served up the L like they did, and and the style that it happened. Um, I don't know. Like, it's one of those deals where right before that PAT got kicked, I was uneasy, you know, and and I was rooting for, honestly, extra football in that game. But then then the, the PAT gets blocked and you realize the most entertaining way that that game could have ended is, is exactly how it was. That was that was fantastic. It couldn't have gone any better. And then uh, there were like Florida State fans just invaded New Orleans. I cannot imagine being in New Orleans like those Florida State fans had to be the most obnoxious group of people because they've been bad for a long time now. And just to rub it in in New Orleans. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I, w- yeah. I would have paid money to be there. It would have been awesome. And uh, I haven't really rubbed elbows with LSU fans too much. Uh, my other podcast partner, Kurt, has. And from the way he describes it, no fan base deserves to get it rubbed in their face more than LSU. So must have been a heck of a weekend for Seminole fans. I can I can uh 
I can concur there and agree with Big Kurt because I've been to LSU before. I've been to Baton Rouge, and they are the cockiest group of fans I've ever been around in my entire life. It's a, they throw a good party. I'll give them that. I'll yeah. throw, uh, they throw a really good party. But on your way into and out of the stadium, I mean, it is, it is just the most obnoxious crowd I think I've ever seen. Well, if they're worse than Tennessee, Lord have mighty. Um, so, yeah, 14 games this weekend. The Big Ten is favored in every single one of these games. Um, just law of averages, it would be tough for the Big Ten to go 14-0. and uh, DS, DS and I talked offline, and we decided to set the over-under at 12 and a half, uh, for the amount of Big Ten wins this weekend. Love to hear from you people on Twitter to see if they if you think that number is is off or not. If you set it at thirteen, the over would mean that they there's no losses, you know. So right. I think that is tough to say. I think the over under is about perfect at twelve and a half. I think that's what Vegas would say. But let's take it. Let's give it a shot. You know, I I I I would love to see the Big Ten go fourteen to zero the weekend after they didn't lose. You know, in, in week one. It would be awesome to, yeah. It would be two perfect weekends in out of conference play. That would be incredible. Can't get can't get much better than that. All right. Speaking of the fourteen games, we better get going. Uh, we got one afternoon game that we're going to save for the Big Ten game of the week at the end. So first up, the Arkansas State Red Wolves at the number three Ohio State Buckeyes. This is an eleven o'clock a.m. game on BTN line. Bucks by a healthy forty three and a half. The over under is sixty eight. So Vegas is saying something like a 57 to 13 Buckeye win. The Red Wolves beat Grambling 58 to 3 last week. So what, what would Vegas set the over <laughs> under or, or game line for Ohio State playing Grambling? I would love to see that. But anyways, what are we looking at for the Buckeyes this week? Uh, for me, it's just I think the offense has probably heard enough of all week about how they didn't look explosive, how they weren't great uh, against Notre Dame. So I think Ryan day that that probably takes him on a personal level and he's going to have that quaff going. He's going to be looking to score a lot of points. He's just going to let it rip. So I think it's uh, I, I just think I, 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 the defense is going to be fine. They're not going to be challenged by Arkansas state. I just expect this to be a lot of touchdowns, kind of the typical Ohio state, what what they what they do to a, a group of five team that's that's kind of what I expect. I mean it's uh, it's got to be fun to be an Ohio State fan just knowing that this is you know going to be a win. Just how bad is it going to be? You know, uh, hey, you know it'd be fun to see some backups in in the second half and just see how things look. I will say this though, I mean JSN is out with a hammy injury is what the official is. So you know get some get some extra depth worked in. Um, um, it, it seems like Kyle McCord is the backup quarterback. I would love to see what he looks like. So that's some of the things, but ultimately, you know, the two things I'm looking for is, is it seems to be most of these teams are playing a, a, a type of defense, you know, where they're dropping back in coverage and they're making Ohio state run. How fun would it be if Ohio state just rushed for like 350 yards in this game? Yeah. Because I honestly, honestly think it's possible that they might wind up with more rushing yards than passing yards in this game and maybe just you know get get their star quarterback out of there save them I don't know that's that's something I'd be looking for um the other thing too is I mean it's to the point already to me I'm honestly excited to watch this de this defense yeah because they I feel like they got the taste of blood in their mouth and they want to keep going I, I wonder if they are setting a goal 
pitching a shutout, something like that. I mean, this this could be a healthy uh, Ohio State win with help from their defense for once. Well, I don't think uh, that Notre Dame game, like I don't think Notre Dame's offense was bad and Ohio State made them look pretty pedestrian in that game. So I think I think you're spot on. I think that they will try to set some sort of goal. And the thing that you talked about, I mean, yeah, with, with JSN out, Ohio State, if there's one position they need more depth at, it's wide receiver. So you might as well get some of those guys on the field, right? For sure. All right. Um, basically, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're predicting the same thing. It just matters where our score comes in as compared to the to the to the over under and the line. I mean, honestly, this is a fun bet. <laughs> I mean, if you take Arkansas State, you're getting 43 and a half points. I don't know. That's too much to, to pass up. Uh, so I'm going to take Ohio State 52. Arkansas State 10. So that's a point and a half cover for Arkansas State. I think it would be an absolute blast. And at 62 total points, I think it's an under. I actually feel pretty good about the under that Ohio State's just going to kind of want to get out of there. I'm pulling a uh, Russell Wilson on this. I'm going to let it ride. Uh, I'm going Ohio State 57, Arkansas State 7. So a 50-point win is a healthy cover for the Buckeyes. But at 64, that is four points under the 68 over under. I mean, honestly, we're not that far apart, yet you have a healthy cover and I'm just under. I don't know. That, that's, I think that's a fun bet to check out. All right, moving in to another game at 11 o'clock. This is on Big Ten Network. The Western Illinois Leathernecks at the Minnesota Golden Gophers. No line. This is an FCS uh, type of game. Uh, Western Illinois lost 42 to 25 to UT Martin uh, last week. So not exactly a, uh, a great defensive performance by the Leathernecks. So less Leatherneck and more uh, pudding neck or something, uh, something softer. <laughs> I don't know. I should have come up. I should have workshopped that before. Anyways, what are we looking at for Minnesota? I mean, it's just one of those games you got to try to stay healthy. Um, to me, I, I still want to see a little bit more out of that passing attack. I think they'll be able to do that in this game because I don't think Western Illinois offers too much of a of a competition. Tanner Morgan, what was he? Kind of kind of numbers we saw from him last year under the yep. 200 mark, but he didn't really need to be explosive or anything. I just I need something from Minnesota to show me they're kind of back on that, that uh, a better trajectory passing because they're going to need it in Big Ten play. I don't think we got it. Um, having said that, I mean PJ's done. He does. PJ things in these type of games, he'll roll with it. He'll run it 70 times if he has to. Um, and by the way, I did not get a comment on this, and I really wanted to like that that Jerry kill PJ Fleck and Shane last yeah. week. Uh, first of all, Jerry Kill could not get out of there first fast enough, and I'm convinced the only reason he stuck around was because he wasn't quite sure who PJ Fleck was <laughs> with the new look. Like he probably had no clue. He's like, who the hell is this guy? Uh, I'll, I guess I'll be nice for a few minutes, but uh, I had to, I had to make my comment on that. Yeah, but yeah I mean, to me, I think PJ is going to do PJ things. They'll probably throw it pretty early, and then the second half, it's just get the backups in there, warm up the buses, get healthy, get on to week three, get your two and zero, oh, and get out of there. Yeah, I mean, we're basically saying the same thing. I don't have much to add except I would specifically, if I was a Gopher fan, want to see Dalen Wright and Brevin Spanford get into a rhythm with Tanner Morgan, be consistent through the whole game. Um, I'm not saying I'm like necessarily worried about Minnesota's passing attack, but we just need to see it. I, I don't think you want to wait to get the passing attack going in conference play, get it going 
now you literally have live scrimmages to do it. So I would want to see it. I think they will. I, I mean, in the end, they're, this does not seem like a falling asleep at the wheel uh, PJ type of game. I've got Minnesota 49, the Western Illinois satin next 10. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Uh, I've got Minnesota. We're pretty close. I've got Minnesota 44, Western Illinois 6. All right. Pretty much the same thing. Still at 11 o'clock a.m. This is on FS1. Maybe maybe a candidate for the Big Ten game of the week, which kind of says something about the uh, slate of the Big Ten games here. The Duke Blue Devils at the Northwestern Wildcats. 11 o'clock a.m. game, FS1 line, Northwestern by 10, over under 58.5. Vegas is saying 35 to 24 Wildcats. And just like that, Vegas is predicting outlandish scores and spreads that have something to do with the Northwestern Wildcats. We are in bizarro world at this point. I mean, you might as well throw Ryan Holinsky into the Heisman conversation based on his week zero performance. And what, like, first of all, I want to say that I learned what that line was the other day when I was recording another podcast. And I about like put all of my paychecks towards the under on that, uh, not to give it too much away right away, but I was, I was blown away by that over under total. Um, yeah. I mean, this game, I think we're going to get a good look at what's interesting to me is Northwestern had a really weird schedule to open up the season. You have to play in Ireland, you play a conference opponent, then you have a week off, then you jump and you play another power five opponent in Duke. So I'm kind of wondering how the timing's going to look. You got some of the rust off in week zero, but then you have to, you have to take two weeks off before you get to play another game. Are they going to come out sluggish? Are they going to have that, that Irish win and, and maybe a few too many Guinness hangover uh, coming out for this, this 11 AM game. I'm really interested to see what Ryan Holinsky can do if he can tear up another defense because he was extraordinary he looked like a completely different quarterback from yep. what we saw in 2021. So I'm really curious to see what he can do. Can Malik Washington still be a top target? Um, was really impressed with Evan Hole. So I don't know too much about Duke, but I I I kind of go back to what we always say about Northwestern. That's I think their defense is going to be a Northwestern defense. Is this offense for real, or are we going to find something out? Really unfortunate about how bad Nebraska's defense is. In there this you game. go. I mean, you 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 pretty much hit all my all my points here that I, I was talking about because it's the ones to look for. I mean, Vegas is convinced already that this is the the Northwestern we're going to see that it's it's going to play in high scoring games. Um, I guess one thing I would look at if that's the case specifically for Northwestern is their pass rush. Um, I was not that. I was not that impressed by their pass rush, even versus Nebraska. Um, I mean, Nebraska threw for a boatload of, of yards in that game and really kind of moved it, you know, quite a bit, uh, two different parts of that game. Um, not the most athletic pass rush. So if they start bringing people in, you know, how the secondary does, that to me is the story of the game because quarterback Riley Leonard is the Duke quarterback. Uh, you know, I think Temple is going to struggle this year. Don't get me wrong, but 328 passing yards, 64 rushing yards, 392 yards of total offense and two touchdowns. He's obviously the focal point. What will Northwestern's defense do to stop him? That's probably the most compelling thing 
to watch in this game, along with, you know, some of the other stuff, like, like you brought up how good Alinsky is and how good that Northwestern rushing attack is. Like it's, this is a really intriguing game to watch at 11 o'clock. And I feel like it's, it's, it's always one of those intriguing games. Um, and it feels like they play it every year now, like the nerd bowl sure. or something. I don't know yeah. if they have something. Like that I can in, in honestly like embrace it, you know, like, like, exactly. I, I I mean, is it is it nerdy cool now? So just embrace the nerdy stuff and go for it. And I have it's it's a lot better. I would if I'm a Northwestern fan, by the way, I would ten times out of ten rather have to play Duke every year than put like Illinois State on the on the yeah, schedule for sure. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like what we talked about. Those are no win situations. Exactly. Uh, so for this outcome, I am picking. Uh, Northwestern to win and cover. I got the Wildcats 23 to 13 and at 36, that is way, way, way under the over under. And that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. <laughs> All right. Th that far under. Okay. Um, listen, I have just decided to embrace the madness that is Northwestern. Uh, it's crazy, right? None of this is going to make any sense. Wouldn't it, would it kind of fit perfect if Northwestern all of a sudden came out and was just inexplicably bad in this game? And would it have any effect on them for the rest of the season? Of course not. I looked at some highlights for Duke. They looked good. I haven't been impressed that much with, you know, another team that uh, Northwestern played. So I got Duke 28, Northwestern 24. So I've got Duke pulling off the upset at 52 points. That's an under, uh, even though Kurt's still alive, he's rolling over in his grave right now. As I predict that, I'm I know I'm just I'm just throwing it in the face of Fitzy Magic. But hey, let's 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 see if crazy things can happen here. All right, next up, the Ohio Bobcats at the Penn State Nittany Lions. This is our ABC game. Ohio at Penn State is our eleven o'clock ABC game. Uh, Penn State by twenty four and a half is the line over under fifty three point five. Vegas is saying something like. 38-14 to 14 Penn State. Last week, Ohio slipped by FAU 41-38. to 38. Yeah, this game, uh, I'm, I'm going to steal your catchphrase here for just a second. I'm going to see, number one, if Sean Clifford literally has his poop in a group for this game. Um, number two is, uh, no pun intended on that either. Um, the second thing I'm looking <laughs> forward to is... I cannot get over the fact that Penn State, to me, still cannot run the damn football. If there's one team – okay, there's probably a couple teams down in the Big Ten through one week, but Purdue is a team that you should be able to at least have a competent rushing attack. They had – their top running back had 31 yards in that game. They didn't break 100 again. I'm not convinced the offensive line has made enough of a stride to be a Big Ten contender – Obviously, you don't need to be in this kind of game, but I think this is going to be a defensive team again. And and by the way, shout out to Joey Porter Jr. last week because that dude was all over the field. Uh, they don't win that game if he's not on the roster. So absolutely. The one thing I would say is the one thing I would say is um, Penn State might, fans might say, you know, Clifford's poop wasn't a group because uh, I mean he won Big Ten Player of the Week last night, co co offensive Player of the Week. So like. It's just that it's a Clifford thing. 90% of it was good. It's just that that 10% is so bad. I attempted like two years ago 
to plot out the Clifford plays and how so many of them are wildly, you know, at the bottom or the top of the plot and that they need to both come to the center. So I think that's kind of what you're saying here is, is just get through the game with somewhere around 300 yards of total offense, just two touchdowns or three is, is enough. Just don't make that big mistake. If they, if they do that, I mean, we we're in obviously great shape as a as uh, for Penn state. I'm going to be really honest. That's, Everything you said, yes, I want to see from him, but I was actually talking about when he left the game to presumably <laughs> that went right over my head. I, I was that's fantastic. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think he legitimately will be fine in this game. I still think he's a I know he takes a lot of heat and at times he, properly so, but at the same time, I still think a lot of it is the fact that he has to carry so much weight and he doesn't have much of an offensive line. I think he takes a lot of unnecessary criticism but i think what you said is right on just don't make the big mistakes get your win find your targets establish some sort of passing game but to me it's again it comes all back to the, to the run game you've got this is a team you need to be able to impose your will against i think penn state's gone what now 14 Too straight long. games without a 100, 100 yep. yard rusher get that get that off your back i agree i mean i got the same thing uh run the ball or at the very least establish an identity on offense and to me the the identity that i want to see established is running the ball and maybe that's just because i'm an old fan and i just i'm used to again i'll never not picture penn state rushing the ball if i live to be 100 years old like that's what penn state football is supposed to look like um in the end i mean easy win it pretty much comes down to if they cover or not i don't have them covering i've got penn state 40 ohio 20 so that's a four and a half point cover for Ohio. And at 60 points, I got that going pretty comfortably over the 53 and a half. And I've got Penn State winning, but not covering 37 to 14. So that's just under uh, that's an or that's just an, an Ohio cover. And then that comes in at what? 51 points. So that's also the under 53.5. Just a little bit under. All right. Moving into the afternoon. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Fox. The Washington State Cougars. Watch out, young men around Madison. The Cougars are coming to town to play the 19-ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Line Wisconsin by 17 over under 46 and a half. So Vegas is saying something like 31 to 14. Last week, Wazoo barely beat the Idaho Vandals of the FCS ranks 24 to 17. Yeah, this is another one. Um, I, I feel like a broken record because I keep bringing up the quarterbacks, but I feel like there's so many in the Big Ten that are relatively unproven. Uh, can Graham Mertz do do what he did? Can he do against Washington State what he did against Illinois State? And he doesn't need to have four, complete 14 to 16. Uh, he just needs to, to show me he can complete the deep ball against a, a Power 5 team, um, find his targets with some regularity there. I think we know what – like, I, I'm also not convinced this is a typical Wisconsin team. I'm not yet. either. Not yet. Okay. Um, so I'm and glad then I'm the not next alone. Question, and then the next theoretical question is, is what is a typical Wisconsin team? Because it's maybe been a couple years since we've seen a typical Wisconsin team. Uh, uh, maybe I'm being too hard on Wisconsin when I say that, but I think there's a compliment in, in there in that Great defense, impose your will on the rushing attack, timely efficient play out of the quarterback and passing game. 
most of that has been there. It's been the it's been you know the the third part, the the efficient passing. We saw it last week for sure. This is a little bit more step up in competition. This would yeah. be more proof that Mertz has actually taken that step up. I I think that's what you're saying here. I know that's what I'm saying here. Yeah. The, and the other thing is I, I'm a little, I don't know if I'm, if skeptical is the right word, but I'm interested in this defense because they did at times give up some yards to Illinois state. Um, it wasn't, it, they shut them out. So what, I mean, you can't do anything else. So, but they did give up some yards. I'm curious when you see a little bit better competition, what's the defense look like? I think it's going to be a typical Jim Leonard defense where it, it, yards are going to be hard to come by points are going to be even tougher, but I'm not quite convinced of that based on the level of competition they played last week. So just this is the kind of game where it, I, I think we find out a little bit more. Is, is this a t- typical Wisconsin team or is there still a little bit of growing pains? Again, like if I think I'm listening to this as a Badger fan, I'm annoyed. I mean, we pitched right. a shutout last <laughs> week, but I do think there's, again, a compliment in there in that we have put the level so high in what you expect out of the defense. They, they did just kind of show cracks last week. Not a good Illinois State team. I, you know, I don't think that was a good right. competition last week. This is a little bit better. It's something worth worth watching. I mean, in the end, I do think it will look quite a bit like last week, but not not quite as good. Okay, so I've got Wisconsin twenty seven, uh, Washington State thirteen at forty points. That's under, and that's a that's a pretty decent slight cover for Washington State. After all the criticism I had, I have actually Wisconsin covering quite nicely. I have Wisconsin 38, Washington State 10. So that is a Wisconsin cover, and at 48 points, that is a slight over. Okay. I, I can see that, too. A um, lot of guys out in, in uh, Wisconsin secondary. That is the thing that's scaring me a little bit. I think there's enough there that Washington state moves the ball enough to actually lower the total points. Like that might not, that might seem counterintuitive. The more Washington state moves the ball, the less points there are. But I honestly think that's how it works out for this game. That's a a great point. Uh, I just go, the thing that kept me Wisconsin getting so many points was just their performance against Idaho, Washington state. I just, to me, that's, that's a big red flag for sure. All right. Next game up, our our only road contest, which is the weirdest one in the world, the Maryland Terrapins at the Charlotte 49ers. Oddest thing in the world. 2.30 p.m. game, to my knowledge, not on TV. I I think you're going to have to figure out a way to stream this. I mean, I don't know since we've been recording this podcast if there has been a football contest that we've broke down that's not going to be on TV. That is the craziest thing in the world. Uh, Line Terps by 27. Would be curious to see what that would be if it was in the shell. Over under 65.5. So Vegas is saying something like 47 to 20. Charlotte has gotten off to a tough start. 0-2 have lost to FAU 43 to 13 and William and Mary 41 to 24. I'm not even joking when I ask this question. Can Maryland score 80 points? Yes. Yes, okay. I think they can. <laughs> I think they can too. I'm I, like legit. First of all, I don't know who schedules this game. This was a terrible job in the scheduling department. I don't know why you're going on the road to play. By the way, Charlotte in previous seasons has been somewhat formidable. This year they just stink. Uh, is the best way to put it. Like, I, I don't know really what I'm looking for. I guess more of what we saw in, in week one. 
But I, you're not going to learn anything from this game. They got beat by 17 points by an FCS team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I have nothing other than I hope Maryland gets close to scoring 100 points. Uh, whenever you see Charlotte, you know, on the score, when they when they give an abbreviation, uh, their, their abbreviation is CLT, which is ironic because you can't find their defense uh, most of the time when they're on the field. Hey, yo. Huh? Come on now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Mary. <laughs> Sorry about that. Terps. All right, let's talk about the Terps. Um, dude, uh, they could wind up being my, 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 uh, I got to come up with a term that's basically like my stubborn gambling team situation. Cause there's some teams where every time you gamble on them, they get you. And, and you're like, okay, yeah. this week I'm going to get it. I feel like only two weeks into the season, Maryland might be that team. Uh, but I watched that game last week and the the uh, the Maryland um, Buffalo game. First of all, I want to give a shout out to uh, the rushing attack. Roman Hemby is a beast. That dude yeah. was shot out of a cannon almost the entire game. He, you know, you talk about the passing attack and the receivers, which again are are very good. He was the one that exploded off the screen watching that game more than anybody. So I'm excited to see him uh, run in this game. I saw a Maryland defense that was swarming to the ball. I, I, I thought the defense looked yeah. good. For whatever reason, they just couldn't hit the big uh, uh, plays and the passing attack. But I, me thinks Locks won't want to see that two weeks in a, in a row and is going to figure out a way to scheme up some big plays in this game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I don't I don't have anything else. Part of me wanted to say that maybe Mike Loxley was reserving a little bit for later in the season, knowing he's got kind of a, a cupcake schedule here. But I, I just – we haven't seen that in the past. I don't think Mike Loxley – I think if he has a chance to score 70 points, he wants to put that on the scoreboard. So I agree. Um, with that being said, even though I said – I think that I still think they can threaten to score 80 against a really bad Charlotte team – I have Maryland 63, Charlotte 13. Um, so that's pretty much almost Maryland covering the over-under by themselves. So that's a Maryland cover and a very comfortable over. Swear to God, folks, we don't do this. Uh, we, don't, we don't even compare sheets. I've got Maryland 63, Charlotte 13 as well. So <laughs> I, I very much can make the, the over the Amador lock of the week. I could very much make Maryland the Amador lock of the week. Uh, truth be told, I'm 0 for 2 in my locks of the week. That's going to, that's going to, that bothers me a great deal, but lots of stuff I like about this game. The only thing that weirds me out is that it's on the road and the line itself. I feel like this yeah. line should be 10 to 14 points higher. All right, next up, the Akron Zips at the number 14-ranked Michigan State Spartans. This is a 3 o'clock p.m. game on BTN, line Spartans by 34, over under 56. So Vegas is saying something like 45 to 10 Spartans. The Zips barely beat St. Francis PA, the Red Flash, 30 to 23. They, they have been predicted to finish last in the MAC. They have finished last in the MAC. If you look up their record, Standing Room Spartans was was kind enough to share some stats like their last times playing uh, Power Five opponents. I'm gonna have to make this up, but it's something like they've it's something like 680 to 110. It's something that bad. They have gotten wow. absolutely murdered, and in comes uh, now now they travel in to play Michigan State. Yeah, and I. Uh... 
I think Mel Tucker, too, is not liking how his team performed in that last game. I think that Western Michigan, you, you hit the nail on the head last week when you talked about how Western Michigan was kind of a spicy team and they, you thought they were a better MAC team than I gave them credit. And you were dead, you, dead on on that. Uh, they played Michigan State really tough. But I think Mel Tucker is going to look to make a statement this week. I, I, I was impressed with the way Jalen Berger played last week. It, you know, his, t- his timing at Wisconsin wasn't really that great. He had some issues, but he ran for 120 yards. Um, and they got a really good back, uh, guy behind him in Jarek Broussard. So I, I like the rushing attack. I've got some questions about Peyton Thorne going 12 to 24. Uh, you probably want to see some of that get cleaned up. They don't have this. I, I don't know. I, I think we're finding out, too, how good maybe Jalen Naylor might have been in that passing attack. Um, but you're, you're working in some new receivers. I don't know. I, I want to see more from that passing game. I think the defense is is good. I don't know how much. Again, we'll learn this week from the defense, but this is, for one thing is for sure, that secondary looks a lot better than it was last season. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say about the defense is just try to limit the big plays. Last week, they gave up plays of 12, 12, 14, 21, 22, 45, and 61. So that's 187 yards off explosive plays. Everything else in the defense looked good. So just stop the big plays. Uh, for the most part, uh, do what you did last week. And then you already hit the point I was going to talk about is just consistency out of Peyton Thorne and then stay healthy. Uh, I felt like they had yeah. enough guys that they lost last week. So get into the, you know, get in, get out. Um, because of that, at one point, I was going to predict Akron to cover because I think Michigan State just wants to get out of there. But now I got Sandy Room Spartans in my head of just how bad Akron is. So I've got Michigan State 50. Akron 10. So I at 40 points, I got him covering the the 30 the 34 by by a touchdown. And at 60 points, I got this going just over. Yeah, so I've we are very similar in this one too. I've got Michigan State beating Akron 48 to 7. Uh so that's easily a Michigan State cover, but at 55, that is a one point under. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sipped neat or is perfect for classic bourbon cocktails. Just like your go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder options so you can see where Amador is near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Staying in the afternoon, a game that very much was could have been uh, the Big Ten game of the week. I think maybe if Illinois won last week, we probably could have made it. We got the Virginia Cavaliers coming into the Midwest to take on the Illinois fighting Illini three o'clock PM game on ESPNU line Illini by four and a half over under 56. So Vegas is saying 28 to 24 Illinois last week, Virginia out of the ACC beat the Richmond spiders 34 to 17. What are we looking for here? Can Illinois keep Brendan Armstrong contained? I mean, that dude, he's, he was electric in their opener. I know it was against Richmond, but rushing for over 100, throwing for what, almost 250 or over 250, somewhere in that neighborhood, had three or four touchdowns rushing and, and passing. Like I, We saw 
Illinois get a lot of pressure on Indiana in week one, but that was a terrible Indiana offensive line. So I'm curious to see, and Illinois defensive backs can hit too, by the way, that, that I was impressed with how they were laying the lumber there, especially, um, was it Dave on Witherspoon on, on Sean Shivers on that first play. Yep. So I'm more curious about the Illinois defense, but having said that, um, you know, what, what's, what's Chase Brown look like? What's the status with, with, with Josh McRae? Like if those two guys are not either playing or at full strength, because it, Chase, by the way, Chase Brown yeah. uh, took some shots. And if they continue to run him as much as they do, I, know. I don't know that he's going to make it through the entire season. Like that's a huge concern to me. It's, so, it's, it's, it's a talking point because yeah. obviously everything that Illinois is doing right now is at the aim to get to a bowl. You know, I mean, obviously yeah. they're going to say everything, all the right things, you know, publicly that, you know, want to win the Big Ten West, get to Indianapolis, you know, but let's be honest, like getting the six wins is, is the key. This is a game that you got to have to get there. Yeah. So then that puts pressure on Beetle because he is their alpha dog. They they lost McCray, you know, their backup. So he's going to get more carries again. Yeah. With that being said, like you brought up. So it's an interesting storyline. I mean, I think I might even have tweeted it out on Friday night. Like, holy cow, they're going to like, he can't keep this pace up the rest of the season or something. But yet I would probably set the over under of carries that he has at 30. I, I, I you know, yeah. like, you know, he's going to be the, the person touching the ball the most for Illinois, which is also what you want to, to see as an Illinois fan. It's like Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin, except he doesn't have quite the durability of a Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin. I'll tell you, the other thing that concerns me too is they get the ball to Chase Brown a lot. Obviously, he takes he takes the beating, but they do the same thing with Isaiah Williams, and those two guys are really good. But it, history has not been good on the injury side to Illinois, so I have some serious concerns about those two guys and their ability to go throughout the the course of the season. Um, Again, to me, I don't know how good Virginia's defense is, but to me, it's the big question is, can Illinois contain Brennan Armstrong? Can they get pressure on him? Because if he's able to, to get into a rhythm, I think it could look as ugly as it did last year. That snapping sound you heard when you were talking about Illinois' injury history was Big Kurt's neck as he was nodding as you were saying that. Um, yeah, so for me, it's crazy, but like when I look at Illinois – I don't see any weaknesses. Okay. Now let me explain that. Like, I don't see a ton of stuff that I feel amazing about other than their rushing attack. But I mean, the rushing attack is great. Their passing attack has been efficient. I have trust in their defense, you know, like, can they stop the mistakes? You know, it, it is eliminating the mistakes and making the big plays in the game. We've already seen it so far this season. And I'm wondering if that's the thing that is the undoing of this team, if it's not going to be, you need to see it this week. I'm going to trust Beetle that he's going to get it done. I'm going to trust Ryan Walters that he does not want to see that the same quarterback roast him two years in a row. I think this is going to be what I would consider an Illinois type of game. I've got Illinois 23, Virginia 20. So at four and a half points, that's a slight cover for Virginia. And at 43 points, and uh, that's 56. So that's quite a bit under. And that's my Amador double barrel lock of the week. 
And I just want to say, I don't know at the end of that game against Indiana, I'm not sure what Illinois was trying to do. Uh, I don't know if they went into prevent, but those guys got wide open. So for that reason, I agree with everything that you have said about this being kind of an ugly game, a typical Illinois game. A tip, you know, you, you know what you're going to see when you turn it on on Saturday. I just think Virginia makes – I think they have some better athletes. I think they make a few more plays down the stretch. I've got Virginia 27, Illinois 20. So that's obviously a Virginia cover, and then at 47, that's pretty comfortably under the 56 over-under. All right, so we both see the under – I've got Illinois pulling it out, and you've got Virginia. Interesting. All right. Sticking in the afternoon, 3 o'clock p.m. game on Big Ten Network. No line on this one. The Indiana State Sycamores playing the Purdue Boilermakers. Indiana State barely beat the North Alabama Lions last week, 17-14. to Um, Well, long story short, after you have a heartbreaking loss, it's good to have a couple days off and get a team like, I don't know, Indiana State to come in and play. Yeah, kind of like uh, what I said with Ryan Day in Ohio State trying to make an ex, you know, make a statement. I think that Jeff Brom's going to try to do that for no other reason than to just kind of prove to his guys that they are still a good football team. Um, I mean, that was a devastating look. As a life, as somebody who grew up a Purdue fan, that game was an encapsulation of everything Purdue fandom is. So you just kind of learn to live with it. But I think you, I think. I think Jeff Brom does have a plan to try to get more out of the run game. We obviously didn't see it against Penn State. I think he knew he wasn't going to be able to wind down the clock running against Penn State. I think they had 70 yards on 25 or 26 carries that game. So um, I think they're going to try to establish some sort of semblance of the run game because I think Jeff Brom knows he needs it. Um, I think that they'll come out score, you know, throw in the ball, Aiden O'Connell, Charlie Jones, um, so get some of those other guys involved. I think it'll be once they get ahead three or four touchdowns, I think that's when they're going to really focus on the, on the run game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing the same thing. Um, get a rush attack going. I, I mean, certainly get Aiden O'Connell, some stats spread it around. I mean, I felt like you got the sense that Charlie Jones was the only target, yes. you know, in that game versus Penn state. Uh, Brock Thompson went out injured. I think he's still a little nicked up. So, you know, get your quarter or get your tight end involved, get other wide receivers involved, get your backup quarterback involved. I think you want to get guys out of this game ASAP, but at the same time, kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, reestablish who you are as a football team. They'll do that. I got in, I got Purdue 49, Indiana state 14. <laughs> just a little bit different. I've got Purdue 52, Indiana State 14. That's crazy, man. So I mean, I there's no line. I mean, you could probably find a line for this game. Right. I'd like to I'd like to see how close we are for the over-under and, and total. All right. Next up, the Wagner Seahawks. They played in the Big Ten last year because I remember I had to look that up. The Wagner Seahawks at the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It's a three o'clock PM game. Line, no line. Uh uh, Wagner last week lost 48 to 31 to Fordham. A little bit of a goofy game for the Big Ten, uh, but you know, I, does Rutgers have anything to worry about here in this game? No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, the I don't even know. I, I mean, I don't even know what I'm looking for in this game because I still think 
as much as I say no, I still think it's going to be kind of like those one of those ugly Illinois Northwestern Rutgers like type of games where I don't think they're going to win fifty to to three. So I think it's it's not going to be. It'll probably be like uh you know in the twenties or thirties type game. But like to me, I was so impressed with Rutgers on in last week's win over Boston College running the football. They had for the love of God, they had to punt within a fourth and goal situation and won a game against a power five opponent. That's, That's pretty impressive. I, I think Shiano has this program tra- trajecting in the right way. I think we've talked about that for the past couple of years. Like this team is so much better than it was at any point under Chris Ash. Um, I mean, I, I guess if you, ha- if you have to nitpick, maybe who's their quarterback going right. to be um, that, that to me is the only thing I think they're going to try to, at least have some existence of a deep passing attack. I think they, they showed that in the spring game. I think they tried it against Boston college a little bit. I think maybe they try to perfect that a little bit more in this game because they can. But other than that, I, I just, I don't know that we're going to see much because I think if Shiano can play it close to the vest, he wants to keep as many secrets hidden uh, under his ax as he possibly can. I, I agree. I mean, it, I guess like is 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 the quarterback rotation of Evan Simon, Gavin Wimsett, is this, is that the thing? Is that what what the offensive coordinator wants to do? I've heard it does. So if it is, I don't know. Give me a sense of how that's going to go. Like, is this how it's going to go with your quarterback rotation? Get Kyle Manungai, get the get the Kyle Manungai show going again. I was late to the party. I that guy is good. I I, I yes. mean, I saw the highlights. I'm very impressed with him. But overall, me thinks this will be a Rutgers looking game. I think there's going to be a lot of Rutgers looking games this year. By that, I mean, they, I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, it is Shiano doing whatever he can to make it work and making it work. Okay. So like, it's, it's always going to be, they're going to paint the board on how, what it takes to win a game, but you're never going to get, be able to put a finger on exactly how it's going to look, but I've got Rutgers 29 Wagner 12. Something goofy like that. I swear to God, I have Rutgers 33, Rutgers 12. <laughs> or Sorry, Rutgers 33, Wagner 12. Are you serious? That I'm dead is, serious. That is crazy, man. I mean, if you see the same just, thing, you I, see the same thing, I guess. I, well, I, I went the same way. I was like, this is going to be a Rutgers game, and it's going to be a goofy-looking score. And yep. I just I threw out the goofiest number I could, and that was 12. That is hilarious. All right, we got four games left. Moving into the evening now. Georgia Southern coming in to Lincoln to play the Cornhuskers. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on FS1 line. Huskers by 21 over under 61. So Vegas is saying something like a 40 to 20 Huskers win. Uh, DS, you start. I have no idea what to expect in this football contest. First, before I dive into this a little bit, um, I want to give you some credit because in the offseason, we had actually talked about nebraska's first four games i think and you said something about i think clay helton's going to have them looking a lot better than they did last season and look we don't know anything about morgan state but a 59 to 7 win is pretty impressive regardless of who it's against so i think you hit it right on the money i thought this was going to be coming into the season an easy nebraska win i no longer think that um Here's the, I mean, you know, so Clay Helton beat Morgan State 59 to 7. Their quarterback, Kyle Van Trees, he's like a seven year senior. He's he's on the Tanner Morgan program. Uh, so he's seen it all. Um, like 
I, you know, I think, I think Clay Helton is a smart enough coach and, and USC fans would scoff when I say that, but I think he's a smart enough coach to know that if he's going to get his recruiting going down in that section, a big splashy win would get that going for him. So uh, you know, not to try to scare Nebraska fans, but I think this is going to be a game that Georgia Southern is aiming for and, and looking to come into Lincoln and make some headlines. Um, speaking of of Nebraska, um, so the whole thing is with Nebraska last year and, and kind of into 2020 is I really felt like you could depend on a lot with their defense. So I could kind of like set the expectation of how the game was going to look off their defense because it was their offense that was kind of helter skelter all over the place. Now their defense is helter skelter and all over their place to match an offense. That's all over the place. I mean, if you're gambling on this game, go for it. Cause it's supposed to be fun. I, I, I think you are literally just, just throwing the money up to see what happens. Yeah. I, I, to, to comment on the offense being helter skelter, the thing that really concerns me probably more than the defense because it has not looked good through two games is I don't know. First of all, I don't know who's calling the plays. And number two, they did, they did this entire offense work the entire off season under the impression that Scott Frost was going to have his hands off of it. It was going to be Mark Whipple's show. And then all of a sudden you're changing it in the second half of the North Dakota game. Like I don't, this is, this could go off the rails very quickly again for Nebraska. I'm, I'm not even trying to be mean. I think in my career, I've been very fair to Scott Frost. I watched that game. And even though they won, and even though I know you guys said he probably saved that game last week, I'm scratching my head going, what in the hell are you doing? Like I, I just, well, there is so much, there's so such a lack of trust on that staff on the offensive staff. I feel, I, I don't know that anybody knows what's happening. I mean, if you if you're asking the question, what was Scott Frost doing? I think he would give the answer. I'm trying to save the season and my football team. Um, I don't think he liked what he saw in the first half. Seven to seven, didn't like the stagnant offense. I mean, if Scott Frost did take over, <laughs> look at the stats. I mean, they wound up scoring what was it, 38 points? You know, so that's 31 points in the second half compared to what they were doing in the first half. So if it was Scott Frost, he deserves some credit for it. So, and then I look at what uh, Nebraska has to offer um, offensively. Uh, Anthony Grant, he is definitely the alpha male in the running back room. A lot of Nebraska fans have been looking to get, you know, that one running back that they can point to. It seems to be him, you yeah. know. They've got Trey Palmer as the wide receiver. So, like, I do think there is a lot there for Nebraska fans to feel good about. So, like, it's not crazy for me to think that tons of points are going to be on the board. But then flip it onto the other side, it's not crazy for me to think that a bunch of points are going to get put on the board against them either. It's not crazy for me to think their offense would be stagnant and their defense would bow up. I, dude, I'm telling you, this is they are impossible to figure out right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. This is this is, I think, the sneakiest maybe game of the schedule in the Big Ten, maybe in one in the country, because I don't know what to expect from Georgia Southern. I don't know what to expect really from Nebraska. I mean, it's very interesting television watching in yeah. the, in that in the uh, time yep. slot. Yeah. Uh, in the end, I, I, I was all over the board with this. At one point I was going to predict and have fun with it and have like a, a 48 to 41 shootout, you know, like that was one of the things that went through my head. Um, 
could see could see it happening. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that that's not. I, I I have to think there's some things that Chins is going to get figured out on on defense, and I think Nebraska will run the ball. So I think those two things will kind of shorten the game. I still got Georgia Southern covering, but I got Nebraska 37, Georgia Southern 20. So that's a slight cover uh, for for Georgia Southern. And at 57 points, I got the under. Well, we're close again. I have the same thing. Uh, I have Nebraska 37, Georgia Southern 27. Uh, So that's a Georgia Southern cover and an over the 61 point total. And I don't have an over under 0.5 on dumbass onside kick decisions. Yeah, I know. I, I was I, I had that one written down, but I decided not to pile on. But Scott, baby, don't be kicking any any crazy kickoffs. Just just, no. just put her in the end zone. Okay, that's all <laughs> you need to do. You can win games like that. All right. Uh, next up, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors at the number four Michigan Wolverines, seven o'clock p.m. game on BTN Line. Michigan by fifty one points over under sixty five. So that means Vegas is saying something like sixty to seven. Wolverines. Hawaii has not just been bad. They've been awful. Blasted two weeks in a row. 63 to 10 to Vanderbilt. 49 to 17 to Western Kentucky. Those are teams flying all the way to Hawaii to manhandle them. Now they fly about 8,000 miles inland to Michigan to play the Wolverines. Oh, baby. That's a tough spot for for the the Rainbow Warriors to be in uh, this Saturday night. Yeah, uh, I mean, just enjoy Ann Arbor while you're there, I guess, if you're Hawaii. Thank God you don't have to come here and go there in November, I guess. Um, The story of this game is J.J. McCarthy. Yes. So, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, the thing that that stood out to me from last week, because I don't have much to say about this week, was I know Cade McNamara took a lot of grief, and I don't think he looked very sharp. My only comment to that would be, I'd like to see what, Caden McNamara would look like if he knew he had the starting job as opposed to looking over his shoulder, knowing he's got JJ McCarthy and he's got to try to show him up. I think that put a little too much pressure on him. So that, that to me, it's going to be interesting because JJ did come in at the end of that, um, of that game against Colorado state. When does Harbaugh pull JJ McCarthy and does Cade get that chance to kind of, you know, get the last quarter and a half, two quarters. I hear what you're saying. Don't like quarterback controversies, but I like the pressure that Cade felt. And if he didn't perform to me, that's khaki pants saying, that's why I put you in that position to see how you perform under Great pressure. Point. And, and may, you know, maybe he didn't exactly, you know, hit the, hit the nail on the head too much last week. That's what <laughs> I thought. Listen, Great point. here's how we're going to break the game down. Michigan's going to kill them on offense and kill them on defense. I, I mean, there's not much to pull out. So DS and I talked offline uh, and we decided to have a little fun with something in this game. So we took our guesses on what JJ McCarthy's total stats would be in this game. And we averaged it up. So passing yards, I had 290. DS had 367. So we have set the over under passing yards for McCarthy at 328.5 for rushing yards. I have 65 DS has 45. So right in the middle, we got 55 yards of rushing for J.J. McCarthy. And at total touchdowns, I had four and DS had five. So we've got it set at 4.5. So 328.5 passing, 55 rushing, 4.5 total touchdowns. 
we will see how close we get to that with JJ's final stats. Yeah, it, it, uh, that's that's the most interesting thing to watch in this game. There's no doubt about it. Um, so having said that, I guess I'll just get to the the pick. I have Michigan 59, Hawaii 7. I think they get a touchdown, a mercy touchdown. So that's a Michigan cover. They cover the 51 points and an over. Pretty close again. I got Michigan 63, Hawaii 7, and at 70 points, that's an over. You got to put some money on this game. I, like. Yeah just to see if either Hawaii could cover with 51 points. I mean, think about it. They could be down 31 to nothing. <laughs> you still have three touchdowns. <laughs> it's fantastic. Or if you have Michigan, you know, and you're at right. 20, you're at 24 points total. And you're like almost halfway, almost halfway there. Oh man. I got, I got, I got a bet on this game. Too much fun to be had. All right. Second to last game, the Idaho Vandals at the Indiana Hoosiers, seven o'clock PM game on big 10 network, Idaho in the FCS ranks. There is no line on this game as we covered Idaho barely lost uh, to Washington state last week. What are we looking at looking for with the Hoosiers? You have to, try to figure something out with the offensive line. Uh, one of the things that I was impressed with, with Walt Bell was I thought when you look back at when he was at Maryland, he did not deal with a very good offensive line yet. He still found the way to get the ball into the hands of Ty Johnson, some of their other uh, playmakers. He did that at times against Illinois. I think that that's how Indiana is going to have to have some success, but at the same time, you, I mean, you've got to impose your will. You've got to do something on the offensive line that, because it is so bad. I mean, I don't know. This is, to me, this is by far the worst offensive line in the Big Ten right now. And there are some that aren't very good. So try to figure something out. I, I just want to see more from the ground game. I don't know that you're going to get it. But in this type of game, an FCS team that's not typically a very good FCS team, try to get something with Sean Shivers going. Try to try to be a little bit more creative to get your rushing yards. I don't know what the answer is. That's kind of what I want to see. Defensively, we saw last week, this team is back to Tommy A's personality, uh, taking the ball away, four turnovers. Cam Jones is a freaking monster. Uh, 12 tackles. He left the game with like <laughs> what we thought might have been a game-ending injury, and he came back in and got 12 tackles, a forced fumble, a sack. So defensively, this team's going to be outstanding. I just want to see something from the run game, Sean Shivers and, and that offensive line, but I, I'm not sure we're going to see it. Yeah, I don't have much to add. Other, I mean, I literally have big, bold letters, get the rushing attack going in any way, shape possible. So, and, and I think Tom Allen, that's that's the type of football he, he wants to play, tough defense, run the ball, impose your will type of stuff. With that being said, you know, win the game, okay? You know, that's, yeah. num that's number one, and I'm – not that I'm saying that I'm that nervous that they won't. Um, just kind of being dramatic and having fun with it, though. Like, all of the good stuff that they had got going with that win versus last week versus Illinois is out the door if they somehow figure out a way to lose this game. I don't think they will. I just don't think it's going to be very comfortable. I actually feel pretty good about this score prediction. Of all the score predictions that I have, I think this is the one I'll, I'll come closest to. Unfortunately, you know, unless you can get a line, there's no way to gamble on it. I've got Indiana 30, Idaho 17, somewhat of wow. a late, late score to pull it away. We're never going to think that Indiana is in a lot of trouble, but at the same time, uncomfortable that they can't put them away. I, I, 
I'm similar to you. The score is way off. Uh, I have th- Indiana 37, Idaho 3. I agree with you that I don't think Indiana – I don't think they're going to have that moment where it's just like it was last year, like it was 52 to 10 or something. I don't think they're going to have those moments where you say the game's over. I could see this in the third quarter being like a, a, a 21 to 3 type of game, and then Indiana you know, uses their – size and and shows that they're a big 10 team and then scores a couple late touchdowns but i i can see where you're coming from on that where they're not really in danger but they're they're never able to to put them away yep there you go all right last game of the week this is the big 10 game of the week the battle for the cyhawk trophy the iowa state cyclones coming into kinnick stadium to play the iowa hawkeyes this is a three o'clock p.m game on big 10 network line hawks by three and a half over under 41. So Vegas is saying 22 to 19 Hawkeyes DS Vegas <laughs> thinking there's going to be an offensive explosion in Kinnick stadium on Saturday afternoon. A um, couple fun things to point out to you here. Iowa state has not scored a touchdown in Kinnick stadium since 2014, uh, which coincident. Yeah. That, that shocked me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Devils in the details. They did not play in 2020. That was supposed to be in Kinnick, right. but still, uh, yeah, 2016 and 18, no touchdowns were scored. There's there's a joke in there about how a, a cyclone never touches cyclone down in Kinnick, or but yeah, um, and coincidentally, 2014, last time that Iowa Iowa State beat Iowa. Uh, so that DSI fathered two children, put got one kid all the way to first grade, and remodeled the house from top to bottom since the last time Iowa State was able to to beat Iowa. Um, here's another fun one. Here's another fun one that I pulled out, uh, in 2017, both teams, all right, scored a total of 85 points. It was 44. It was uh, 44 to 41 was the final score of that game that Iowa won. So 85 total points since that 2017 game, there's only been 95 points total scored in this, in this, uh, in this tilt between Iowa and Iowa State. I I'm shocked by some of these statistics that I am just now learning uh, for the first time. Like that's okay. Not scoring a touchdown since 2004. That's almost a decade, man. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, actually. But, but now of course, every other, you know, that was just in yeah, Kinnick and, and again, taking 2000 and, you know, for the most part, it's been the same coaching staff. So like, I think right. some of those stats can apply looking forward while looking back because, you know, you got, you got the same coaches involved in these games. Um, so we'll start with uh, Iowa state. I think enough's been said about Iowa this week, although we will, we will talk about them. Uh, they got a pretty good, you know, the, the three level thing, uh, quarterback, Hunter Deckers, running back, Jareel Brock and wide receiver, Xavier Hutchinson. I swear there's been other Xavier Hutchinson's that have played. Um, so they've got the three level thing that you're kind of looking for on offense last week. They beat SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, 42 to 10. But that was 21 to 10 at half. So it kind of took a while to get the offense up and going and and running. So, um, anyways, uh, that's Iowa State. Uh, if you want to expand upon that or talk about Iowa, go for it. The, the, the only thing I would add on the Iowa State side is that for the past three or four years, I feel like they've been overhyped. And many times I, I was kind of scratching my head about it. Like, why, why are we so, why, why is Iowa State an outside college football playoff contender? I just didn't see it. And now I feel like they're not being talked about. 
And I almost think that that's the sneaky element, like the mindset element of this game. Like I don't have anything to add from a strategic or a, a player standpoint from the Cyclones because I didn't see them in their first game. But that is what it, nobody's really talking about. Yep. And I think that's probably how Matt Campbell would like it heading into this game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how he would prefer it. Uh, everybody looking at them as a season, as a program, it's how we prefer it going into this game. He's probably as annoyed as anybody for how bad Iowa looked last week because now it's it's the weirdest thing in the world, DS, because most of the time you would think all of the pressure is on the team that's favored and yeah. has got the winning streak. I don't feel the pressure is on Iowa to a certain degree with this because somehow they figured out a way to be playing at home, the the favorite, and yet nobody thinks Iowa's going to win this game. Right. I mean, this is – I don't know um, if Kirk Ferentz could have could have – drawn this up any better because I feel like, I feel like, I don't know yeah, how I'm going to yeah. explain this. Like it's, it's, it's weird. Like neither team is really being talked about, but you're right in the fact that nobody thinks Iowa's is going to win because they expect to see the exact same team we saw in week one in week two. But there's a reason Iowa or Kirk Ferentz has never lost to Matt Campbell. He's got that team figured out. Now it's and, just trying to and figure I can out assure, things And I can assure you, I can assure you Iowa's offense has looked bad the week or two before they've played Iowa yes. State before as well. It's just never looked quite this bad. No. Um, right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got to see something better from Spencer Petrus. You've got to see something better from the rushing attack. Um, as But I got to – I swear to God, like as long as you have Jack Campbell – Phil Parker and Tory Taylor. I think Iowa is in, I, I still think Iowa is kind of in the catbird seat it, heading into this game. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, the things to look at here, um, and I meant to say this at the beginning, there might be some big 10 fans rolling their eyes that we made the, this, the big 10 game of the week, but I don't know what else you choose. And this is a rivalry game. Yeah. So anyways, if, bring the slings and arrows. If that's, if that's how you feel, um, um, I do think, I mean, the the anger and and heat that has been applied by Hawkeye fans, you know, into Fort Kinnick, I, I'm sure it's been felt. Um, I've, I've, I am maybe crazy to think this, but I don't, it would not surprise me to see Padilla either start the game or be brought in with a very quick hook uh, with yeah. Spencer Petras. Um, I don't want to go into great detail, but I watched every play of that game, believe it or not. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, a crazy person, I actually chose to watch that game sec a second time, but I wanted to see what it looked like. I joked with one of my buddies. It's, it's like snake handling at some point, you just got to jump in so that you can get over your fear of snakes. I did that. There was available plays there. Our quarterback just could not make them. Um, the rushing attack does have to be better. Uh, I don't expect the rushing attack to explode this week at all. I think it'll be a little bit better. And then I, I'll, I'll throw this out to you, Diaz. Let's say we get this from our passing attack. 200 yards of passing on 13 of 20 targets and one touchdown. Okay. How yep. does Iowa win the game and at what score if that's what they get from their passing attack? If they get that, I would say 
Iowa wins the game 20 to 10, maybe. Okay. So, so a two point or a, a two score win after getting something yep. extremely minimal from, from your passing attack. Here's the other thing that I want to point out because this, you can go back and look in the history of time to some of these really good FCS teams. Go back to when Minnesota barely, who I, Minnesota barely beat Sandy, uh, South Dakota State in their season opener. A few that that 2019 team they won 11 games. Obviously, their offense looked a lot better than Iowa's did. But to those teams, that game is their Super Bowl, and it, it being Week One, they are geared up, charged for it. There are a lot of players that probably wanted to play at Iowa or play in the Big Ten that are on those teams. That's a well-coached team. They were in the national championship last year. I just there's it's not an excuse for Iowa's offense, but I don't think you have to read everything that the fact that it was a seven to three outcome and completely count out the Hawkeyes. I, there's room for improvement for sure, for sure. But I think that there's I think South Dakota State's a pretty good football team, and when you have the entire offseason to prepare for a team that you've been licking your chops for, for a while. I think that makes a big difference. So that's a great, I, 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 I'm proud of you for bringing it up uh, because number one, then I didn't have to say it. Cause I do think a lot, <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it so that I didn't have to, I'm, I'm happy or proud. I don't know why I use that word, but that you said, because I do think that has a lot to, to, to do with it. There was a lot of Iowa guys on the SDSU roster as well. And I think right. kind of what you're getting at is there's some reasons why I would look that bad. Now we, I don't think yeah. any, any one of us think Iowa is going to explode, but there is no. some thought process that maybe Iowa's uh, uh, offense looks better, even though that's, that's kind of seems opposite of what you'd be thinking when you go from SDSU to Iowa state. Right. That's a, yeah, exactly it. I just, I think there's more room for optimism and honest to God, if, if nothing else, it can't possibly look any worse. <laughs> please don't, please don't tempt us, but I, I hope that that's the case. Go ahead. I'll go last on this one. All right. So I actually have another Iowa win. I think Kirk Ferentz stays undefeated against Matt Campbell. Uh, the over under is 41. I have Iowa winning 16 to 13. Uh, so that's an Iowa state cover and an under. We're pretty darn close again. Um, this will come down to turnovers. Uh, Iowa has absolutely the, the turnover ratio in this contest in the last four or five years has been insanely high. I think it's something like nine Iowa state turnovers to, to Iowa zero. Okay. So whoever wins the turnover battle will win this football game that much. I am convinced of, I think Iowa wins the turnover battle in this game. As crazy as it sounds, I think their defense is actually due to force a turnover and we will see it in this game and it'll come late to seal the game. Iowa wins 18 to 17. And with that score, that is safely under and also uh, a, a, a cover for Iowa State. By the way, that 18 to 17 score, exact same score as 2019. So these teams definitely have it, <laughs> definitely have it in them for that to be the final score. Kudos to Iowa State for finally getting a touchdown from both of us in, in Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, exactly. All right, man, that's a pretty long pod. Lots of games. You got anything else to add? I do not. All right. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm not Big Kurt. <laughs> this has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.